You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris, and Bob unfortunately could not make this episode. He had a childcare issue, so he won't be joining us today. But today, we're coming to you again from the Sageham Public Library in Holbrook, New York. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The Library Pros Podcast is produced bi-monthly, so don't forget to check us out and subscribe to our RSS feed, iTunes, Android, email, and Google Play. Links and notes from today's podcast can be found on our website, www.thelibrarypros.com, on Twitter at, at the Library Pros, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash librarypros. Today, joining us is a great group of teen or YA or young adult, depending on how your library qualifies the age group, librarians that are in the trenches every day. I have Stacey Sanzone, Michael Buono, and Michelle Kea? Yes. Kea. I always mess it up. Um, so Mike and Stacy work here at Sachem, but you also work at Patrick Medford. Correct. And Stacy and Michelle, you're at Patrick Medford as well, right? Yes. And I have worked at Sachem. You have worked at Sachem too. Okay. So before we actually get into the nuts and bolts of all the stuff that goes into being a teen slash YA librarian, and that's going to get really annoying really quick. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about you guys. Um, so what, for you guys, why did you decide to go into a library setting? I guess, Mike, you can start. Uh, I worked in a bookstore, Borders, for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed helping people find and locate materials, and I really hated uh, selling things. Uh, like they would have these things called make books where like no matter what people wanted, they'd make you sell the specific book. Mm-hmm. So a, a, a patron or a customer would come up and be like, Hey, I really am interested in world war two and I want a book about world war two. So you'd help them find that. And then you'd have to be like, so how do you feel about buying shopaholic and baby? <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't do it, you'd get written up because that was the corporate policy at the time. And I was like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> um, so during that period, actually, sorry, one of my um, my general manager of the store suggested that I become a librarian. And uh, after that, you know, with the way the company was going, I pursued it and ended up librarian. Good choice, too, considering what happened to Borders, too. Yeah, I was there to the end. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty wild. That is crazy. Michelle? Um, well, I graduated from college, and of course, I did not know what to do with my life. I thought that I wanted to be a teacher, so I took a semester of teaching classes, and then I realized I don't really like this, and I didn't really want to take time off from school, so I was talking with my mother, who actually works in the circulation department of the Patrick Medford Library, and she suggested being a librarian, which would be somewhat similar to being a teacher, but with less structure and more fun. So I said, why not? And I jumped into going to school and have not turned back from there. Stace? Well, I was, uh, I was actually a teen patron at the Sage and Public Library. Um, so I was already kind of familiar with the people that worked here. And I actually didn't understand like the hierarchy of like different uh, positions and that kind of thing. So I... Um, I um I saw one of my friends from Girl Scouts like actually working and I was like I should totally do that. Um <laughs> so I actually applied and I became a page um and that was when I was 17 years old. So um that's really what did it for me. That's how it started. Yeah. Huh? Okay, so um we all for those of us that are from Long Island, 
it, there's two, usually two schools you go to. You either go to Post or you go to Queens. And every once in a while, there's a St. John's mixed in there. So, Mike, where'd you go? I went to Queens. You went to Queens. Michelle? Queens as well. Stays? I actually, um, I ended up doing my master's degree online. Um, nice. I went to Clarion University. It's in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. But they have their master's degree completely online, so I was able to just stay at home and do my degree. Wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And that seems to nice. be a new trend now, especially in, in library science. Yeah. yeah. It was great, by the way. It was a good program. <laughs> and uh, Michelle, what was the first library job you had? Um, I actually got hired uh, for two jobs in the same day. I did an internship when I was still in school at the Patrick Medford Library. And then I applied for my first library job at the Longwood Public Library. And I went on an interview there and I got called back on a Wednesday. I was a bartender before I became a librarian and I was working a lunch shift at my job. And I got a call that I got the job at the Longwood Public Library in the adult department. And that same day, um, Patrick Medford, who I did my internship, called me and said that they had a position open and asked me if I was looking for a job as well. So I got my first two part-time jobs in the same day, actually. Wow. It was a very that's, fun day. That's really <laughs> neat. Yeah. That's great. What about you, Mike? Uh, I also interned at the Patrick Medford Library, and before that I had no library experience. Um, <laughs> and when, that, when my internship was over, they asked me if I would stay on. That's great. Yeah. That's nice when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And Patchogue, generally, they're really good about um, developing their talent. And, you know, if they want you, they'll keep you, regardless of where you end up going. Mm -hmm. That's great. And Stacey? Well, I, I did work at CHM as a, uh, a page and then a clerk. Um, and then I went through library school. And I pretty much, after I graduated, I got my uh, first job at the Longwood Public Library. Mm -hmm. I was an adult reference. Um, they took me in as a trainee. And then uh, halfway through that year, I got the job at Sachem as a teen librarian. Awesome. Okay, so um, <clears throat> we've already talked about your background a little bit. Michelle, you said you were a bartender also. Mike, you were at Borders. And Stacy, just everything's Sachem. Been here the whole time. Yeah. So that, <laughs> that's really great because um, we all came from different places. Um, but it's nice to see, too, that we didn't have to go hither and yarn to go find a job like what happens with most people here in mm -hmm. Suffolk County where you're you're juggling three or four different jobs and then you know you have to kind of hope that one of them is going to be able to first of all you take the civil service test and hope to get that that right. good grade mm -hmm. and then from there you know you're hoping you get canvassed and hopefully you get to go to a, a library that you have familiarity with and and you know you're you want to be at too so it, it's nice to see that you didn't have to go so far but that's also the reality of just number of jobs available you know, right. I, had, sure. I did just say that they want you, they'll keep you, but that's only if they actually have the money to keep you. And that, at the end of the day, it's always fiscal. It's always fiscal because um, the inflation on our health insurance, on on our retirement contributions, all that's going up, and with the tax cap, it yes. makes puts a, it's a real hard decision for someone to fill a full-time position. Right. And for those of us that aren't in Suffolk County or in New York, the, the New York State imposed a tax cap on all municipalities where they can't raise taxes more than 2% or the cost of living, whichever is less. So that's put a bit of a hardship on libraries, uh, especially here on Long Island, Nassau and Suffolk County. Um, I, I think there's some kind of exemption for something in the city. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, though because Queens and, and New York public just seem to be growing regardless. Because they, they're contracted. So the city uh, budgets them money for the library. Right. And then they also self-fund. Right. They don't get money through a tax levy. Right. So 
for libraries in New York State list this past year, the cost of uh, living inflation was only 0.4%. So libraries, unless they decided to pierce the tax cap, meaning they're going to raise it above that 2% or cost of living, unless they decide to do that, they are forced to only raise their budget this past year at 0.4%, which puts a hardship on not only materials and hardware for electronics and computers and programming, but also personnel. So the job market has really tightened up here uh, on Long Island. Um, another thing to mention, too, is with the tax cap, that with the piercing, if you do decide to put a budget out there that's higher than the cap, you need, I think it's 60%. Yeah, it's it can't, high. It has to be a 60% or higher um, vote for yes. And if you don't hit that, then your budget fails, and you have to either revote or use last year's budget. So as a manager, that puts recurrent makes recurring costs like employees really um, terrifying. Right, sure. Absolutely, because it's more than just paying your salary. It's also health insurance, and, and if you have dental and optical and you know life insurance and all those other things, too. So that, you know, it is a struggle for libraries to hire. So before we actually get into the nuts and bolts of, of, you know, being a teen librarian in our next segment, what drew you to work with teens? Because I have to be honest, (laughs) if I go down here at Sachem, the teen department's down on the lower level. I go down there and it's almost like Han Solo when he's running away from something or he's in a Death Star and he looks around a corner real quick and then he puts his head back and like, do I really want to go down there? So for me, it's a little terror. It's almost as terrifying as children's. Children's is a different <laughs> horror show altogether. Um, yeah. Not that it's bad or a horrible way to work, but for me, it's just it's not my forte. So tell me what drew you to the teen depart teen slash YA department. Mike, you can go first. Uh, well, I've been working with teens pretty much my entire life. Uh, I was a uh, scout leader. So as a scout leader, as a, as a boy leader, I worked with teens in a leadership capacity. Okay. And then in college, I moved on to working for a federally funded program called TRIO, um, Upper Bound, mm-hmm. through TRIO. And it was eight weeks for two summers on college campus with um, 180 kids and 18 adults, all between the ages of 19 and 21. I'm getting scared. <laughs> yeah, and it was a residential program, so they stayed with like we lived with them for eight weeks, and we had two days off that weren't our set days off a week, which were just Sunday. Wow! So it was super intense, and I learned a lot very quickly, and I loved it. Um, but afterwards, I was a little burned out on it. So oh, I can imagine that's why I ended up at Borders. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, how, how come you ended up in teen? Um, well, I thought I wanted to be a teacher and work with kids in middle school, but I've always had a lot of energy. I like being active. I always even read YA books as an adult, and I kind of gravitated uh, gravitated toward that kind of stuff. And kids of that age, and they have so much energy. And if you give them a little bit, they come back at you yeah. even more. And just you know, getting out there. And I think my internship, where I worked in both the adult department and the teen department at Patrick Medford, I just saw when you start to create these relationships with the kids, how much you as yourself get out of it too. Mm-hmm. And it just really drove me to want to do more like that. That's great. Stacy. you were a teen. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I used to come here, and not just for reading, but we used to play computer games and all that stuff. But um, I always have found that my interests have just aligned pretty much with 
what teen interests are. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm big on the video gaming and uh, the anime and like all the stuff that they're into. So it's good for me because I'm like passionate about those things too. Mm -hmm. And that's where I tend to make a lot of connections with them. And it seemed like a natural progression for you too, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, um, a lot of our programming, which we'll talk about later, obviously, uh -huh. um, it surrounds those things a lot. So it's come, it's coming handy for sure. Awesome. Okay, thanks for sharing, guys. I really appreciate that. And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into the, the, the real nuts and bolts of it uh, about teen librarianship and, you know, how you've seen it evolve and how you, where you see it going. And we're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff. So we're just going to take a real quick bake, break, and we will be right back. back with, I'm oh, sorry, give me one second. Oops, I didn't make an adjustment. Hi, we're back with our teen, li teen slash YA librarian groups with Stacey Sanzone from Sage and Public Library, Michelle Kaya from Patrick Medford, and Mike Buono from Patrick Medford. So we touched on this in the last segment, um, but I really, really want to talk more about what motivates you to work with teens. I know we talked about, you know, in the very beginning what your motivations were. But I want to know a little bit more about, like Michelle was saying before, that what you get from it and what you what it drives you to actually do more. Um, you know, motivation in, in this field I think is a huge part of why we do what we do. If you don't have the motivation, you know, then you're just an empty chair. Uh, if you're not motivated by motivated by what you're doing and who the patron, the type of patron that you're serving, I think something gets lost in the mix. Um, so let's go around, you know, and talk a little bit about the give and the take and, you know, what drives you and what happens at the end of the day that really makes you say, I'm coming back tomorrow. So Mike, you want to touch on that a little bit? I think uh, Michelle said it uh, perfectly, which is you give a little bit and you get a lot back. Mm -hmm. um, teens are more open emotionally than adults. Um, I work an adult, an adult reference also, and it takes... It's a trans. It's a relationship built over transactions. Mm -hmm. So you build relationships, but it happens like you have a reference question. You build a little. The little piece happens each time. Right. Whereas with teens, if you open yourself up and you give them a little bit of who you are and you talk to them like they're people and treat them with the proper amount of respect, uh -huh. they open themselves up to you immediately, and that it's like a relationship in overdrive. Mm -hmm. So you know, um, some of the most fulfilling relationships I've had in terms of like a peer friendship relationship have come from people younger than me because of that. Mm -hmm. So professionally it's, it's really rewarding when you can help somebody and what they give you back is literally just, you know, not so much an outpouring of thanks because that's like a little narcissistic, but uh, <laughs> what what they give back to you is a um, like a real true interaction, mm -hmm. which I think as adults we have so rarely. And it makes some sense, especially in this digital world that we live in too. Yeah, 
And Michelle, you, you, you pretty much touched on it before. Do you want to expand on it a little bit? Um, yeah, sure. So I talked to a lot of kids about like books and stuff like that. And with kids, everything is like a heightened emotion. And I'm a very excited person and I like to express myself in that way too. So when you match their energy a little bit, it helps them want to open up. And when you start some talking about something like a book or a TV show or just something that there's a common interest with, they'll come and they'll talk to you more about what's going on in their personal life, if they're struggling to find a job, if they're having a bad home situation, if they don't know what's going on with what they want to do with their lives or just like they're having a problem with their friend or their boyfriend or someone's using drugs like it just it opens up another vehicle for them to have someone to talk to so that's really neat it's very it, real and, and stacy what, what's your experience been um just to kind of build on what um mike and michelle were saying um you do tend to get those relationships and open um transactions if you just kind of you just have to really just listen. Um, I feel that uh, some people have trouble with that because I, I have some teens that will come up to me and if I just listen to them a little bit and just say, oh yeah, how's, how's things going? How are you doing at school? Um, some of them have actually told me, you know, no one else talks to me. So I, mm. I'm so glad you're listening to me right now. And that for me is like, just me being there is enough to make some kids happy. So. Um, never mind all the other stuff that we end up doing as teen librarians. Yeah, and you know, I, you know, in our show notes, I had made a comment <clears throat> about you know the difference between the adult department and the teen department. It's almost like looking at a horse and a zebra. They look almost exactly the same structurally, but they're completely different animals. And it seems as though, in in the teen aspect of of librarianship, it's more than just answering reference questions. It's being a uh, a combination of a friend, a social worker, uh, a guidance counselor, um, a programmer, and you know, a tech nerd at the same time. It seems as though you have to have a, a, a very large skill set in order to be a teen librarian. It's less focused on a single thing. So, in my you know day job, I spend most of my time in adult reference. I do hours in teen also. And when you're on the adult reference desk or you're doing adult reference work. You're focused on the aspect of your job that is particular usually to you in the department unless mm-hmm. you have a small department. So, right. you know, I do um, social media stuff there, so I spend a lot of time doing social media and thinking about social media. But when, when you're with teens, there's really nothing you you can't afford that. You need to think about kind of everything all at once mm-hmm. and be aware of everything that's happening all at once. And kind of be ready for whatever's going to happen all like at the same time. Michelle is smiling and yeah. nodding her head. Yeah, because it's just like that. You'll be one kid will be asking for like more time on the computer. Someone else is fighting with their friend over Minecraft or something. There's someone else that is looking for something. So there's so much happening all at once. Like the energy is there. Where I did work in adult reference um, as well, where it's much more focused. Um, questions that you get from an very individual. pointed yes yeah where it's kind of like all over the map sometimes in the teen department <laughs> <laughs> i noticed that too um yeah you, when you're an adult reference you usually know what you're gonna do when you get in what you have to work on um kind of more focused on i i did mostly like a lot of computer help and stuff like that when i was an adult reference 
with teens, it could be anything, any day. You don't know exactly what thing you're going to be dealing with. You already, you, you always have like, um, like planned out programs and things like that, but you don't know what issues are going to come up with your teens. Right. And you have to make stuff up on the fly and you have to be ready for them. So it's and, always different. And I think we have to lean on each other a lot more. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes, like... a support group. Yeah, the three of us have all worked together separately mm-hmm. in different roles. And, like, your other teen librarians, if they're in the room with you, they're the only thing you got. Yeah. So... You need your own support support group, too, because it seems like, I know that in the adult department, everyone has their own thing. Like, somebody's good with computers, somebody's good with reader's advisory, somebody, you know, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses, and... If you have a really good team, it's good to see that, you know, everybody pitches in and, and throws their weight behind, you know, a certain aspect of that reference interview, which seems to be, in the adult department, it's really a reference interview, but in teen, it's, it goes beyond just, okay, I answered your question, now you're walking away from the desk. Right. And everybody, it seems like you have your own strengths in, in certain particular areas, so you kind of lean on each other, and that's great to do, and it's great when you have that in, in a facility. And probably the best example of it is jobs. I mean, a lot of times when it, when it comes to you, like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I think we've all been there, like, at some point. And just the, you steer them towards something that based off their interests, and you're like, why don't you look at this? And you're not saying you should do this job. You're saying you should read this thing and decide if this is something you might want to do. Right. But then you also end up doing that, like, 20 more times with the same kid. Mm-hmm. So it comes back, and then other people get involved because, like, if it's something that I have no idea about, and I know that Michelle's experience, I'll pull her in, or I'll pull Stacy in, and then I'll be like, "What? What do we do here?" Right. And then that's when, because Michelle in the Patchogue, Michelle has a lot of contacts with the school. Okay. So who do we send this kid to talk to? I don't necessarily know off the top of my head, but Michelle might. Okay. Yeah, there's a good partnership. Um, you know, I've seen it in all the libraries that I've worked into, but like. Even if Mike is an adult reference and I, like, needed to ask him a question or something, like, we do, we put the teens first. So we make ourselves available for that and to help whoever's there. So it, it is really nice and very helpful. So you don't feel alone and, oh, my gosh, this kid's asking me something and I have no idea what I'm going to tell them. And, you know, it's funny being an adult librarian. That's what I see happening. You're just an island that's there and you're surrounded by teens. You know, you feel like, you know, it's like. Custer's last last stand or something, but it's nice to hear that you guys can all pool your you know resources together, and you know reach out to each other. That really is cool. I mean, we do that in adult reference too, but you know, there's always the perception versus the reality. And children's librarians, I'm sure, look at adult and go, "Ew, how do we do that? How do you how do you what happens if you don't have the answer?" And I'm looking at you know children's like, "Oh, somebody threw up. How do I deal with that? <laughs> what do I do with this? Yeah, what, how do, yeah, how do I do? Well, there's a kid missing, you know, or or the kid can't find the parent, you know, just stupid examples of the children's department. I have no idea if any of that really happens on a day to day basis. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it happens multiple times a day. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I think so. Yeah. But I mean, it seems as though in teen now you're not just an island unto yourself, and now you're surrounded by all these kids who are you know all clamoring to get into the Minecraft machines. And, you know, there aren't enough, and now you're fighting with the kids. It seems as though it's a lot more collaborative than I thought it would ever be. It has to be. Because, like, like, if I'm getting to a point where I'm getting stressed out, and we all do, mm-hmm. I have to go to Stacy and be like, listen, can you please handle this? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we're like, that's enough. I need you to kind of step in for me if you don't mind. But, um, yeah, we all kind of rely on each other. And it's good, though, because I think the teens kind of see that, too, that we work together. And that's good because we provide some kind of consistency that way. 
And I feel a lot of them tend to need consistency in some aspects. So because they're lacking it someplace else. Yeah. At home or at school or or something like that. Occasionally, yes. Wow, that's really cool. So you know, I I've always found because in in library land here in Suffolk County, I've seen some libraries like Sachem and like PatMed, they have a teen slash YA department that is robust. It's large. There's great staffing, and then there are other libraries that have one librarian as the, as the YA librarian and they're pulling adult desk duty and there's other libraries that don't even have a teen slash YA department. You know, it, it seems to be an evolving area of the library. Maybe not so much here at Sachem or at Pat Med, um, but what do you think is happening with regard to service to that particular part of the community, that age group? Nationwide, there's a contraction of YA librarians. So mm-hmm. we're actually losing YA, li- YA librarians and departments in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of recent research FBI also shows that, you know, we're basically losing ground. People mm-hmm. are not taking teen services seriously. Um, and if that's – I'm not – I don't want to blame anyone in particular because I don't think that's true of the administrators as individuals. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a, uh, again, a pressure on funds – Right. Um, and resources and a pressure on, on public use of funds. And a, generally in our country, adults don't look very fondly upon teens. Right. They're always seen as a problem. Right. So if funding is going to be cut from someplace, a lot of times administrators are, administrators are pressured by their board or from wherever the public in general to cut funds from teens. Right. Because they have no voice, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. They don't have no ability to vote. You know, civically, they're not really they're not really active, and that's primarily because they're not allowed to be active. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they're they're pressured out of it. Um, so I actually think we're going through a, a mini crisis. I don't want to call it an actual crisis yet, but we're going through a mini crisis where there's a contraction of funds being devoted towards teen services. Yeah. What do you think, Michelle? I agree with what Mike's saying, but I think if we look to like if they build it, they will come. Like mm-hmm. if there is a space for the teens to be. They will come and use it. I think that some libraries that don't have a teen department, they don't have a teen presence because they don't really have a space where they can be and be comfortable. But if you allow them this space, they will come. And I always feel like I don't care how badly behaved a kid is in the library because if they're in the library, they are not out on the street. Like I worked this past Tuesday night and it was a beautiful first day or fall or maybe it was the last day of summer. I don't remember. But the kids were just going berserk. They were driving me crazy. <laughs> there was way more kids in the room that could really legitimately fit in there. They were doing homework. They were playing games. But as frustrating as it could be at times, I'm like, it is so much better that all of these kids are right in here with me, driving me crazy, than if they're out on the streets causing trouble or doing anything like that. So I really do feel that if there is a space for teens to come in the library where they feel like it's an area that's dedicated to them and where they're comfortable, they will come. And I hope that people continue to see that it's a necessary thing, but... It's beneficial, definitely. Yes. Absolutely. Stacey, you feel the same way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that if administrators and their boards and the local governments, if they realize how much the teens need their departments, and it doesn't matter... Like I think in pretty much any community, you still have teens, no matter what, that are going to need some kind of space. Um, if we can somehow convince them or show them the benefits 
of having those spaces and those uh, staff members available for them, um, it would outweigh um, any budgetary uh, concerns, any financial concerns. How many kids do we have on Friday night, this past Friday night? Um, we, we were full, which is 65 kids. That's um, amazing. But we had more waiting to come in as well. Right. So we had to actually tell kids to come back because the room was at capacity. And we had kids upstairs, too, that ended up going the track down because they were having fun and they were being too loud and they were bothering adults who were trying to work. Wow. So and, and Sachem has a rather large um, facility for, for teens. Yeah, Almost it's their huge. entire bottom floor. Yeah. Comparatively to other, other libraries, it's probably one of the biggest on Long Island. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I would think so, yeah. 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 So, I mean, when you start thinking about that, it's cheaper. Like, if you divided the return on investment by the number of librarians we had on our salaries mm-hmm. for that night by the number of kids we had, I mean, it's a great use of public money because it's like probably like less than $5 for each for, for each teen. You know, this is a little bit of an off, off-road question, but since this has translated so well in the teen demo, that the new big, the big thing in library land is to attract the 20-somethings and 30-somethings to get mm-hmm. them to come in because of that big gap. After you're a teen, you go to college, maybe use the library, then you get a job and you don't come back until you have kids and then that cycle starts all over again. Do you think if, like you said, Michelle, if you build it, they will come. If we did that with programming and maybe a particular area dedicated to the 20-somethings, 30-somethings, do you think it would work on that level too? I think that it would. I mean, I think it would take some time to build up, but I think that it's human nature to want to have a spot. And as the economy still isn't that great, people are looking for free programming or, you know, free entertainment and things like that. And people that have that interest, I think that they would. I think that it will take some time because it still is a newish service to people that they don't, people in that age group don't think to come to the library. Right. You know, as a, you know, a girl in my 30s, I talk to my friends about stuff that the library has and, you know, they don't think to come there. Now they know more because they talk to me. But I think that age group just doesn't think of going there yet. But I do see that it will start. Just the same way, you know, teen services is, is still, I don't want to say new, but it's fairly a new concept in libraries in the past, I'd say, 15 Maybe I'll go back as far as 20 years. Um, maybe the evolution for the 20-somethings and 30-somethings is going to be that same slow progression. Mm-hmm. The, the fight for teen services started in the se- – like, you're right. It, it's basically 20 years that's actually become a thing, but the fight started in the 70s. Right. So there was, like, a good 10 years of fight before there was even Implementation a, of any type. Yeah. Right. And um, I will say this about uh, having a special, separate, separate space for new adults is mm-hmm. I think what we need is a separate space for loud adults. Yes. Because I'm never going to be quiet. Like, it's just not my nature. Right. So I think that what we need is a place where we need a quiet space. Absolutely, 100%. We need a traditional library quiet space and a truly quiet space. Right. But we also need a loud space. We need a place where people of varying ages can go to hang out and just be loud and talk. Um, And I think that's the major limitation to new adults coming here. That itself is because we have kids who age out. And as a teen librarian, this was always my concern, how I ended up an adult, is they have no place to go after that. Mm -hmm. We have kids who, like, are pretty much depressed, they're aging out, and they don't see the library as being a place they can still go to. Right. Um, 
because they don't have those relationships with adult reference and because the programs aren't what they're necessarily looking for and because there's a perception they have to be quiet. And I know that those same individuals can develop relationships with any adult reference librarian and will be happy with getting the programs they want once they develop those relationships. Right. But I think as a li- we need a whole library point of view of how we're going to build those relationships in teen and carry them over to adult. Right. Well, so, that makes some sense. Yeah, because you want to have a, a, a smooth transition instead of saying, okay, now you're 20. You can't come in here anymore. Sorry. Peace out. Yeah. Sorry. Now, oh, but now I have to go be with all those old people upstairs. I'm out of here. So, yeah. yeah, it kind of begs the question whether or not there should be a transition to, you know, another, like you were saying, the new adult. There's actually a new adult committee in Suffolk, kind of, yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, like you said, started in the 70s. This may not be a thing until the 2020s or 2030s, but it's starting now. I'm worried that we can't afford, as a profession, we can't afford to wait that long. Right. Like, there's a, a speed increase in the way life has worked modern life is worth. Oh, tef- definitely. Sure. Mm-hmm. So rather than say, you know, it may take 30 years, I'd rather say we need to do it mindfully and quickly. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly really worried because, you know, not for anything also, people in their mid-20s are kind of transient. I don't know how many times you guys have moved and when you're in your 20s. I moved three times. Sure. And the other struggle is keeping people here because yeah. it costs so much to live on Long Island as opposed to any other part of the country. Maybe with the exception of like San Francisco or a place like that, or they're even saying that it, it costs as much to live here in Suffolk County in Eastern Long Island as it does to live in the five boroughs. Yeah, yeah. Because of property taxes and cost of living, and you know, there's a, even a, reten- a retention problem of keeping the twenty somethings here once they've finished college and are ready to start their careers and do that kind of thing. So that's part of it too. Yeah, and our kids, they when they turn eighteen, I feel bad for them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because they want to stay, but, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's just not appropriate to have a 19-year-old, 20-year-old person in a program where there are kids that could be 12, 13 years old. So yes. it's unfortunate because we want them to be there, and they will still come talk to us. Mike has a lot of relationships with these kids, too. But there is that gap in service, and I think that, you know, we just have to try and do what we can now. I know it will take some time, but... You know, we get relationships with these people. We don't want to lose them sure. in that gap. Yeah, yeah Mike um, pretty much said what I was thinking, too, is um, the Sachem Library has created a space for those um, 20s, 30s, um, but it tends to be a quiet area um, where if you talk above regular voice, the entire library is going to be able to hear you. So that's my only criticism of that area. But I think if they had another space where they could go play their games, um, we have a lot of kids that like to play tabletop games together um, and just laugh and have fun and not have to worry about um, bothering those around them. Um, So, And I think any library that's considering having that space should take that into consideration because I think they are going to see that, you know, I can't really hang out here anymore yeah. like I can come up and study maybe but that's not why I've been coming to the library I've been coming to play with my friends right. and they just don't have that outside of programming we did uh, Dungeons and Dragons um, tabletop for the 20s 30s uh, yesterday um, but if if those kids had been around like 